0: So I think we've got, hello and welcome. Justin, are you, are you here? I'm here.
1: Hello, how are hello, you? Hello,
0: you're here. I'm good. I how am. are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, thanks.
0: Good. So I think we're, we're almost all here. We're just waiting on um, Helen, who's joining from across the pond. So Helen, if you are here in the live stream, give a call in. And we've also got Mozi here, Joseph and Brigan. you're all live. So we're good there. Let's just give it another minute for Helen and give them a chance to join, and then we will jump in. How's everybody doing today?
2: Very excited.
3: Good, good. Yeah,
0: I'm doing okay. Okay, um, I think we're just we're just waiting for Helen to join this panel, so helen if you're here give a call in um and we'll just jump in, in in a minute so this is a really fun one and this is our last panel of storytelling podcast week it's been a, a pretty amazing week so far um, of audio fiction audio drama podcasters and narrative nonfiction podcasters so it's been a really fun combination of both and we've had live story salons, we've had live episodes, we've had panels. It's just been a really fun week. And so, for anybody who's missed any of the live streams, or if you joined late for any of the live streams, you can re-listen on the Storytelling Podcast Week channel. And I'm not seeing Helen here in the chat. So, Justin, why don't we jump in, and then I will connect with Helen and, and help them get connected.
1: Sounds good. Hi, guys. Hi, Brigand Joseph everybody how are you doing hey man great good to good to hear you yeah if you guys don't mind if you could just go ahead and we'll start with break and just introduce yourselves tell us about uh your podcast maybe um pick the latest one or two that you've been involved and in, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself
3: yeah, definitely. Uh, my name is Brigham Snow. Um, I've been in fiction podcasting for a little while. I started in The Bright Sessions as an actor in that and have since branched off into writing and producing in the space because it's super fun. Uh, but the latest show, uh, and actually my first release as like a sole writer, creator, I sound designed, super micro budget, but it's a show called Look Up. It's being released right now. We've only got... Two more episodes uh, coming out, but it's about uh, these two boys who meet on a beach in the middle of the night and look through a telescope as they're waiting for their parents to return from a uh, first mission to Mars. And it's this like sort of intimate summer love fiction podcast. So yeah, it's my first uh, first release as a sole creator or something. So it's been super fun.
1: Great. Thank you. Joseph?
4: yeah uh i'm joseph fink i created welcome to Night Vale and alice isn't dead and some other shows um i had a book i re- wrote with my wife come out a couple months ago a memoir of the first 10 years of our relationship from both their sides and uh i have a middle grade novel about halloween coming out in two days which I'm
1: i saw you have a launch party coming up soon <laughs> i think on tuesday yeah. right congratulations yeah, uh, on that.
4: i've been like Deep in the weeds of having a newborn, so I'm kind of vaguely remembering that I have a book coming out, but it's not
1: always there in my head. Just you know, just one of those things. Just a uh, just a book coming out, no big deal. Uh, uh, who do we? We don't have Helen yet. We have uh, is Reg here.
0: Oh, so, sorry, Justin. Um, this is Norma Jean. Motsi is uh, subbing in for Reg. They're oh, the thank you.
1: Show. That's what I was looking at my list there you go mozi how are you
2: hi uh, i'm mozi and i am from the high night podcast the high night podcast is a horror podcast uh literally translated to "Hi mom it's a supernatural horror fiction podcast about a filipina immigrant whose shaman babaylan family background accidentally gets her involved in stopping dangerous supernatural events in toronto and I'm definitely inspired by a lot of the work that you guys have done, so I'm really happy to be here. And uh, I just love um, writing uh, writing about like cultural, kind of like a similar, similar style of narrative in a way where it's very mysterious and very fun, but at the same time, kind of adding our own cultural like identity to it as Filipinos with me. And Reg, who is in the chat with me.
1: Oh, awesome. Great. So uh, you guys kind of touched on it a little bit um, in your introductions. I, I guess I should introduce myself before I move on, too. I'm Justin McLaughlin. Uh, I created EOS 10 a few years ago, and uh, most recently, Heroics is a podcast about some B-list superheroes uh, who decide that they want to be super villains. Um, but I was just wondering, you know, what... And you can kind of... I, again, I know some of us have multiple shows to talk about. What what inspired, or maybe what was the the seed behind the show and the work that you create. Joseph, maybe you could uh, kick us off. What was, what, what, what inspired you?
4: In almost every case I've started with someone that I want to work with. It's the people. So with Welcome to Night Vale, uh, I had just made a show that like, you know, maybe 50 people saw total over the course of a week with Jeffrey um uh, that we performed <laughs> in the East Village. And I had a really good time with that. And so I just... I felt sad that that project was over and I wanted to write something else with them. And so a lot of welcome to night fail vale was trying to find something I could write with Jeffrey. And then similarly with Alice isn't dead. Um, we did a, a live night Vale show with Jessica Nicole and I watched her perform something I'd written on stage and it really, really blew me away and I just wanted to write something for her. Um, so I just made a document called Jessica podcast and started trying to figure it out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so for me, it's just kind of starting with someone I really want to work with and then kind of the idea, idea
1: builds from there. That's really great. Isn't it though? The, like you, 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 you see a performer that inspires you so much that you create a show around it. She's awesome though. So yeah, I can totally understand that. Uh, Monty, what about you? I know you touched on this a little bit, but maybe give us a little more. What's, what's, what inspires you? What's this, what's the seed behind your
3: work?
2: Um, So I'm definitely one of the newest podcasters here. We only started our podcast in November of 2020, but um, I have been in the writing space for a long time. Uh, I've been creating comics, and um, my day job as an animator also has me around a lot of really creative people. And as a creator, I really love um, infusing two specific elements to my stories, which is um, Filipino elements and also um, LGBTQ plus elements, so I made a podcast because I got into a couple of podcasts that really got me through the pandemic. And I was like, I kind of want to do this. So I made a podcast where it's horror, because I love horror. It's got Filipino elements, but also like different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, and also, uh, also a very queer podcast. And I had all that. And I think the moment we realized it would be something pretty cool was when people started telling me, It was terrifying and that was (laughs) a wonderful thing to hear because we had no, me and Reg, um, who is in the chat right now. Um, She's my best friend. and We kind of just, yeah, worked together because it was a way for us to stay in touch because she's all the way in the Philippines. It's like 5 a.m. over there and I'm all the way here in Toronto and it was a project for us to work on while also delivering a story um, kind of uh, as a, as a way to honor the stories that we love before us
1: you had mentioned once see, the uh there were a couple i think you said a couple specific shows that really really inspired you to jump into creating your own show mm-hmm. what were those
2: um so it'll be fun to mention them because everyone here <laughs> um was kind of involved in them um, was all, <laughs> welcome to nightvale um for sure uh bright sessions for reg actually because Um, That was part of her reason to get into it. Um, Also, the Magnus Archives, which is from Rusty Quill, which is where (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I believe uh, one of our guests is from. So yeah, those are, and Wolf 359, which is why when I saw Gabrielle's name (laughs) um, right before this session, I was like, oh my gosh, it's Gabrielle. So definitely like um, very these wonderful stories a lot of them have a common theme you know like horror sci-fi fantasy all that but Mm -hmm. i think what really attracted me to them is how just just how much personality each one brings to the podcast space
1: yeah they all have they they have some common threads but they're all kind of they're they're very different in their own way too and of course brigand you are uh, sort of involved in Bright Sessions, I think, but maybe I. This is your um, your first podcast where you said you've created, written, produced, even sound design. Did you say sound design as well?
3: Yeah, yeah, kind of <laughs> thrown into the deep. How's that feel? <laughs> oh, it was a journey. Uh, no, it's 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 crazy. I mean, I I just squeed off Mike when I saw Reg was like Caleb's my favorite boy, but uh, honestly, it's like. It, Sort of stumbling into this space, and you know, I knew Lauren from an acting class, and and got into the Bright Sessions, and and I really thought that that was it was just so I could act and I could have this opportunity as a performer. And then as went along, I had aspirations of okay, well, I want to make work for myself and my friends the same way that Lauren did. And over the last few years, yeah, uh, developing stuff and and sometimes developing bigger shows you know that maybe going bigger is better at least in my mind and thinking and then really learning that uh you know it takes it takes money and support to do a lot of these things and and i uh i remember having a conversation with lauren specifically when it comes to this new podcast that came out and uh she was like i have a challenge for you she's like write something small write something intimate and i just come off of reading um Really loved this book by Phil Stamper called uh, "Gravity of Us," and it really like tapped into my love of space exploration and and it was this sort of like quieter story between these two guys and I was like oh this this could be really cool and and um, knowing that I was going to have to do everything on my own I made sure that it took place in one space and it was very simple, the the setup and just have it as sort of like a, a dialogue between these two guys. Um, and yeah, it was more, I'd say the inspiration behind this has been the inspiration be- behind all the stuff that I've been doing, especially since the bright sessions, which is really wanting to tell uh, queer stories and, and see myself in these roles and see the people that make up my, friends, my found family uh, in these roles. Thank you. That's really, um,
1: you know, an interesting comment to me is wanting to do a smaller story or like Lauren. And we should, again, I think most people listening will probably know Lauren Chippen was a creator of Bright Sessions, which uh, you were a cast member of. But um, yeah, it's kind of sometimes audio really just kind of wants to be that small, intimate space with just one or two people talking right
3: yeah well it's always like uh, was that like time thing of like content dictates form and i think mm-hmm. sort of thinking that you know the reverse of it is is when i first went into writing for this i i write big and not necessarily really think about what this this medium is and i think once i i made sure that I was writing to audio specifically, which sounds like a no brainer, but you know, when you're kind of in your, your, uh, your thoughts and creativity, it doesn't always go that way. But once I started writing towards that, it it kind of, I don't know, like freed up everything, um, which was really, really exciting.
1: Um, I'm, I also wanted just to mention you guys who are on the panel. If, um, anytime you want to jump in or you have a question for someone else in the panel, feel free to throw it out, um, and, uh, you know, follow up anything on anything that anyone else has said. And I kind of want to bring in, you sort of touched on this a little bit also, you, you know, you're doing all this work all by yourself and you had that in mind going into it, but so it, it does take a lot of collaboration, a lot of community, a lot of support to get a show like this off the ground. So I'm just curious, like, what does, a typical production, um, you know, we can start with Joseph on this question. What does a typical production look like? How does your show get made? Sorry, was that a question for, for me or Brigham? It's going to be a question for everyone actually, but yeah, it's just, uh, the question is just how, what does your production look like? How does your show get made? Shows uh. I should say.
4: Yeah, I mean it, it varies. There's stuff that I I made a show this year called Our Plague Year that was sort of documenting this year. Kind of turned into a call-in show, it was mostly just voicemails, and that's something I did entirely on my own. Um, but you know, we we've always made things very small. Um, both Welcome to Night Vale, Analysis, and Alice Isn't Dead were recorded in the actors' homes on pretty cheap microphones, um, and written just in prose format, it does not, the, the scripts does not, not the scripts of the Night Vale Analysis and Dead do not look like screenplays at all, um, they're just kind of the prose of the monologues because that's how um, the show kind of uh, flowed for me um, and then edited together uh, well I mean Night was edited for years by me um, but now John Bernstein who's much better than me does it, but it's still it's it's a few people working out of their homes um, we've, we've just never done uh yeah anything bigger than that it felt nice to keep the production small
1: yeah i think when we we did heroics in 2019 and i think we had a cast of 26 in a studio with a crew of about eight and that just felt gigantic and uh, it's all blur. Like I remember, it was four straight days of recording for about ten to twelve hours every day, and it was just kind of nonstop. And um, the first season of VS Ten was recorded in my office, um, and then we moved to a studio after that. Monty, what about you? How are you guys producing your show?
2: When we heard this, when we heard the um, question, me and Reg started laughing because um, no, um, the production looks very um, yeah, it's very small too. Like we're not experts on this whole thing organized chaos as reg puts it um she's the organization and i'm the chaos um a lot of it is recorded with a microphone under a blanket um which i hear is how most things start out and um yeah like uh, Originally, we were like, well, we'll make it easier for us by making it one person telling a story. And then immediately I brought in like three more actors who were friends of mine on the next episode. And from there, we kind of just uh, kept that going. And it's been harder and harder. But honestly, um, it felt right for the story. And um, it's kind of a mess, but it does help that my other friends who got themselves involved with us... Um, have much better microphones than I do <laughs> so <laughs> it's um, it's all um, very casual in and very like small time but we do our best to deliver something that sounds professional um, in our in, in yeah. our uh, way
5: um, hello I'm so sorry I'm late I am so sorry. Hi, hi. Um, hi. Can someone give me the question so that I can try and answer and try and represent my company a bit better than I have done by being absent? Uh,
1: no, <laughs> no worries. You're good. Actually, um, yeah, why don't first, why don't you just introduce yourself so um, everyone listening and listening later uh, knows who you are and kind of what you do, and then we'll come back around to what the question was.
5: Yes, I'm so sorry. Hello, my name is Helen. Um, I work with Rusty Quill, which produces um, the Magnus Archives, Stella Firma, Rusty Quill Gaming, um, Outliers in partnership with... uh, Her Majesty's Royal Palace. It, P- Royal Palaces, I think it's called. I can't remember. I am so stressed because I am never late to things, and um, the reason I'm late is because I was trying a cosplay of Heisenberg. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing um i act in the eight, I podcasts i am yeah i am a voice actor <laughs> i am also the head of inclusion and a sensitivity consultant for rusty quill and um do various other bits and bobs with them behind the scenes
1: well thank you we're glad that you're here i'll give you a, i'll give you a little break i'm going to jump to bring and let him answer i uh okay. the, the question and I'll, I'll read it again so you can hear it and then we'll come back to you and you can tell us a little bit about. okay so thank the you question. yeah no <laughs> worries so basically uh we we're just talking about collaboration and what you know we all work on different shows of different styles and sizes and production and so brigand tell us a little bit about you know the latest sh- i you can you can tell us about any show you want to but tell us a little bit about how your show is uh put together and gets made i know this one you have said is a little bit on the smaller side yeah Where, you're
3: recording yeah, well, it was it was definitely a different process. I mean, uh, definitely heading into the pandemic, I had been used to before recording everything, sort of like radio play or being in a booth with folks or being in a, a room around in a circle. And and so when it came to to this and knowing that I have to do it over over Zoom, uh, ended up the, the sort of story behind this is uh, I had set up in my. Uh, guest room closet, a booth for myself and I had provided equipment for the other actor and we had recorded everything. uh, It was like last September um, over Zoom and this being my first production and not really setting things up the correct way. um, All 10 episodes of audio was unusable uh, for the other actor. It was real bad. Uh, So... Uh, wow. i like i apologize i was like please bear with me we're gonna try and do a whole other re-record so what we ended up doing is it was like late winter early spring of this year uh ended up having him come over here and we recorded it together and knocked it out over uh just a few days uh trying to make up for all of it so it was definitely sort of uh a crash course, uh, humbling experience in, in learning how to uh, record. I, I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to do it uh, together because I really love feeding off of people in the room. That's kind of where I find uh, the enjoyment. Um, and then beyond that, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> jumping into... Uh, Adobe Audition and figuring out okay how how am I going to sound design this? Thankfully, f- for the most part, it, it all takes place in the same location. But I'd say this is the most um, isolated I felt in creating something, which was new and and different and exciting and and had its had its merits. But I, I think uh, when it comes to making anything, I, I think I really like being in a more Collaborative uh, atmosphere. I definitely, I definitely miss that. So I was, I was feeling it this past year for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I know I've, I've
3: had you re-record
1: dialogue that was unusable when you, because you've, had, you've had a recurring role in the else
3: yeah.
1: um, So it's happened. It does happen. And that's why I normally don't do this myself. I let a recording engineer handle it, and then I can blame that. No, it never goes wrong when the recording engineer does it. Only goes wrong when I, <laughs> exactly when I try to do it. So yeah. Definitely. So, so Helen.
5: Yes. Yeah. Hi. So
1: basically, just uh, give us a little bit um, of a background on how uh, you know the there's a variety of things going on with the the group that you work with. But like in general, how are your shows? How do your shows get made? What do you do?
5: Oh well, I don't know how far back to go now because obviously it started out with Alex, who's the CEO. Um, Literally just being in a room with his friends and seeing if he can actually make a podcast, and he did everything himself. He converted, um, like, a room in his house into a studio. Um, although that that came later, they were recording in corridors, they were recording under duvets, wherever um, wherever they could get the best sound quality, because Alex was always a stickler for that. Um, once we got into the studio, things were, like, we all had our own microphones and Alex would be going between us and going to check the big Bertha, which was um, the name of the, of the big sound desk thing that he had, coming back. We also had our own share of, um, not often, thank goodness, but we did have to re-record half an episode, which is very difficult for an improv show. <laughs> Um, We did have to do that once And that's happened a couple of times Um, But uh, when uh, the pandemic started happening um, Alex twigged and uh, he said elsewhere um, He accidentally caused a shortage in England Of all of the particular kind of mics that we use Which is an AT2020 Because um, each audio hardware shop Only had a couple of them And he bought all of them (laughs) so um he sent out kits to all of us so we all do our recording at home we did loads of soundproofing tests and um right now we have like this amazing amazing editing team um so we have vocal cut editors then we have the soundscaping editors then we've got our two masterers that's uh kathy and jeffrey right now um Alex pops in from time to time, I think, to give a once over and give any notes. Um, but we've got several layers of like approval and checking that things go through and it's a different process for each show, and each show has its own producer, and all the producers are wonderful. Um we've got Lori, Katie, and Hannah right now on the three main shows. Um it's a massive team effort and um I'm really I feel really lucky that we've managed to hold it together through the past couple of years because it could have gone absolutely sideways. Um but everyone kind of dug in and stuck it out and it's been great. Oh,
1: it sounds like there's just such a variety of ways. I mean, I think it this as a medium is sort of attractive for people because you can you can stick a microphone under a blanket and, you know, get decent quality audio and, and put out something that's definitely I think gonna sound great um and i'm gonna throw this out to all of you um and anyone can jump in if you have an answer to this question but you know audio dramas have one thing and that is sound um are there any kind of nuances uh that you may have incorporated or built into the show or the sound of the show or the style of the show that listeners might not immediately realize that they're hearing but after you explain it they'll be like oh yeah i remember that now i can like i think about eos 10 and i think maybe uh we have a very specific background sound that's very low that's very and i know a couple listeners have picked up on that and that's i think it's really key to how that show sounded especially in the early seasons but are there anything like that for any of you
3: uh i'll say something kind of like uh, cheesy because it's 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 the opposite of of what we what you'd think with sound but i think what i've really enjoyed in a lot of fiction podcasts that i've consumed and have definitely uh been able to do in, in some of the work that i've done in in podcasts is uh silence and i know that sounds kind of kind of weird but just the when you're dealing with, with characters in sort of like a conversational setting and, you know, the bright sessions was therapy sessions and, and, uh, and something like this with, with these two guys on a beach, sort of like feeling each other out and, and getting a sense of what a relationship could be. I, I love sitting in the space between the dialogue. And I think that's where a lot of like as a listener, I get really, really excited and, you know, my heart starts to flutter or I get anxious and, and want to know where the conversation's going. And, and I, I think that's what I really, really love about, uh, audio drama is that you can have these really grounded, um, interactions between characters that, that sound like you're a fly on the wall, um, so yeah, my, my answer would be probably uh, probably silence is, is something I think is really, especially when a sound designer plays with that, it's just so exciting. And
5: yeah, think, I think... Uh-
1: Ellen, is that? That's you. Go ahead,
5: Ellen. Yeah. Yes, I was just going to say I totally agree. Like knowing when to use silence, it can be such an effective tool in a podcast. Um, I was going to say that for for Rusty Quill Gaming, um, because we're in different places, it's an ongoing story, and we're in different places each time. The soundscaping can be very different. But for Magnus, I know that there is um, not only sort of the infamous cassette tape sounds that carry on throughout all of it because all of it is based on um, someone recording to cassette tapes. So We've got the tape bed constantly. Um, there's also a sort of unnerving low tone that we use as well during um, some of the statements that are given. And um, it's not enough that um, you'll notice it if you're not paying attention, but when it goes, you do notice it. And um, and that's there specifically to give it like that uneasy atmospheric feeling. And then for Stella Firma, one that I noticed um, because I get to, I do preview listens to all of the shows. So I get to hear them at vocal cut and then at soundscaping stage. Um, and then for Stella Firma, that's set in space. So there is this constant sort of weird outside technological hum that again is in the background and easy to miss. but. Um, it, I feel like these subtle touches can make such such a difference to the feel of the show and can really make you feel like you're in that
2: Oh, yeah, and um, I, you weren't here to hear this, but um, our, one of our biggest inspirations is Magnus Archives. And so we were like, we want to do this, but also not do this because we don't want to be a copycat.
5: So um, <laughs> Don't you worry. Similarly, we do have, <laughs> I am all for everyone like, doing uh, whatever they like with any audio drum it's the more the merrier. It, it,
2: it's absolutely, um, like, when you mentioned, like, the the tape and the hum, it's like, yeah, we also have a tape and a hum, yes. but um, it's, uh, for us, uh, we kind of use a uh, tape, but we also, the original pitch that we had um, was for phone calls, because this is uh, all about, like, phone calls of this um, woman who's calling her mother, because Nae means mother in Filipino, and so we have, like, almost every episode except for a couple of them where she's calling her mother so she has the phone call then you have that telephone filter type deal and the telephone filter does so much for us because as a small production we can't record on all the same mics and we can't like we we don't have the budget to kind of like get everybody the same mic or anything um but so what we do is we kind of like make sure that everything sounds pretty pretty lo-fi and like but similar to each other So that's definitely part of it. And also the hum, like you mentioned, um, we have a hum during the storytelling portions so that when the hum kind of like when there's a moment where things either escalate or de-escalate very quickly, we take away the hum and there's this pure silence and that kind of like cuts, cuts tension or like raises tension. And I find that really fun. So, you know, what Brigham said about using silence has been really great.
0: I was
1: leaving silence there just <laughs> yeah. so we could have a minute of silence. I
2: was like, "Uh oh, I was about to come back in. Uh, I really don't know how to use silence properly." But oh, and, I just Joseph, wanna... oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sir. Oh, I mean, I, I just wanted to add, like, it's kind of similar, but not really. It's uh, not necessarily a sound that's in every episode, but I do try to get every episode's named in a Filipino name. Which um, is a Filipino word for an English word, essentially. But uh, there was one episode where we, I spoke in different Filipino languages because there's 160 plus Filipino languages, even though people, you know, Tagalog. And... Nobody would have guessed that except for the Filipino speakers, but I asked different people who came from different parts of the Philippines to translate a dialogue for me. And so one time when a character does a spell, she speaks in multiple Filipino languages and not a single person could understand every single one of them. And that was like something I wanted to do just for just for fun.
1: <laughs> that is really cool, actually. Um Brigham, do you have something
3: to add? Uh, I mean, just uh, just the silent element. I, said. I think I think with with the show that I did, um, I was just sort of figuring it out for myself. So um, there there isn't necessarily a signature <laughs> to it. I mean, uh, mm. I did have a fun um, time with a friend of mine who. Uh, does Rose drive the podcast. He's great with Foley. His name is Raul Vega. And we went out to a beach in Malibu late at night with a mic and just recorded the ocean for a very long time. And I used that as the soundscape for the show. Um, so that was a fun, a fun experience, uh, doing that. So I'd say, yeah, the, the ocean sounds would probably be the, the genetic makeup of, of look up. Um, but yeah, I think, I think really when it comes to being a creator actually putting stuff out there i feel very new to the space um so it's uh yeah i'm still figuring it out
1: awesome yeah i feel like there i, I feel like they're just there's so many signature sounds to different shows and it just uh, sometimes i don't think it's always intentional i think it just happens um you know like we were talking about earlier. Maybe you have all the same mic, or you don't have the same mic, and even just the mic choice can really make a big, huge difference in in what it's going to sound. If the if the mic's picking up the room that you're in, or is the mic isolating, and you just get that voice and what you work with. And it just um, I don't know. I think our sound in our shows tends to change really significantly between seasons, and it just it's it's always just about. Providing clarity and context and grounding, and I love the idea I think I've seen pictures're of you view online um, out at the ocean doing those recordings so I you know I love that sound and I, I love I love the idea of just bringing in the real environments that those those characters are in kind of want to talk about a little bit about um, the story of your shows the the drama that you have and like <clears throat> all these different shows have multifaceted characters and uh, our storylines, I think, range from fantasy to sci-fi to horror. Um, and so I'll throw this question out to everyone, too. Is what, uh, Are any of the characters or storylines that you've created inspired by anything from your real lives? Or is this totally stuff that you've just made up and brought out from your imagination? It's just totally out of your heads.
5: I can't speak on everyone's behalf. I know that there are parts of Stella Firma that, um the showrunner of that, Tim. Um, so if, if you don't know, uh, Stella Firma is sort of an anti-capitalist sci-fi improv show about um, a, a sales guy and uh, a clone who's trying to help him. Well, they start off building plans. It's it's a whole thing. Um, but I know that there are various parts of that show that are based on Tim's real experiences with sort of past jobs and past corporate um, offices, which I think probably all of us can relate to on some level in terms of um, capitalism being evil. Um, for Risticle Gaming, I know that... So it's a, that's a... Uh, an actual play podcast and I think when because you are creating your own character we all bring a part of ourselves to each of the characters that we make there Um, I know that I chose various facets of my character Azu because I thought I would be playing her for a while which I have been And so I wanted to make a character that was similar to myself, so I knew I could stick to it and not ever be stumped when something unexpected happened. As for Magnus, I think that Johnny has a large enough imagination that none of the monsters are based on people that he knows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say that um, we were having a discussion um, because we're doing... Uh, once the initial run of Rusticool Gaming is over, we're going to do a second one. Um, and something that we discovered was that all of our shows examine dynamics of power and what it means to have power and what that can do to people and to the world. And um, I think that's an interesting through line that runs throughout um, all of those shows. Because that's something that I think we're all interested
1: in. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Joseph, did I? I think I saw your mic come on there for a sec.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, Alice isn't dead. Is one that was uh, pretty directly based on my own experiences. I mean, the main character is as close to myself as I've ever written a character, and um, a lot of that show came out of just trying to find. You know, we started touring the Welcome to Bankfield live show, and I went from. Having only been to a few places in this country, to having driven around most of it multiple times, um, and just going to all these cities I've never been to before, and all of the stretches in between, and so I wanted—I started writing about that, and wanting to do something with that. So, basically, everywhere that that show goes is a place I've been, and is a pretty direct first-hand account. And I actually—I hit a point in the third season where I sort of run out of drives to talk about, and so I just rented a car and drove out into the California desert for a week just to kind of develop a little more to write about.
1: Well, there, was, um, there was also a couple of questions. Any of Night Vale that, you know, I mean, there are a lot of characters, I think, especially when you, you throw in the, the live shows and things like that too. Do any of those come from real life experiences?
4: Not really, no, not directly. That's more like, uh, you know, the relationship of something like Night film to our lives is like the relationship of dreams to our lives. It's, you know, <laughs> related and it, it, it comes from that spark, but it's often related in a very uh, indirect dream logic sort of sure. way. Um, I mean, I, I will say like the... Night sort of the original came out of uh, my father had just died um, and then I got laid off from the job I had and I just um, a lot of the first year of Night was just me coping with that so it's sort of directly
1: related to that even though it, it never says it. I feel like that's a common theme I mean that, it was it was a little bit like that for me I had not so silly because I had I had had a TV audition that I didn't book and I was it was my first TV audition and I never got upset about auditions ever and I was really depressed and I stumbled on a show called Welcome to Night Vale and I was like oh this is interesting maybe I should try doing something like this and then it was EOS 10 and then people were listening and I was like oh no people are listening now I have to uh I have to keep doing this um, <laughs> but yeah I think it's so it's it's hard it's hard it's a hard question because it's just hard as I think as a creator, as a writer to separate your real life from what you're creating, because obviously it's all coming from you. It's, you know, your, your inspiration is is coming from the life that you live. So in a way, I think the answer is always yes. And then on a more practical level, a lot of times the answer is just no, but um, uh, um, most, did you have something to add? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I just wanted to add, like, um, for Hainai, it's definitely a lot of it is from my life because, like, main character, like, I kind of took a bunch of very um, uh, surface level details from myself. Like, she's also, she came to Toronto, like, only a couple years ago, like I did. And she's also working in Toronto, like I do. And she's basically a Filipina, whatever. But, At the same time, it's also because for me, horror has always been a way to reflect like real life um, issues and traumas and um, everything that I put into Hainai, even though each episode is about like ghosts and monsters and things, it's um, it's basically a not so subtle way to express kind of frustration and anger and fear about real things. one of my episodes um, it's ostensibly about the character's father um, during his time in the 80s and it was a ghost story but in the 80s in the Philippines they, uh, everyone's under a dictatorship so even though there was a whole like a whole thing about a ghost um, it's very much like the bigger fear is getting um is being out past curfew because like like literally the character, when he sees that things are magical or things are about a ghost that might want to kill him he's like yeah okay cool um let me just get home before the before the curfew comes up because i need to be there before i disappear so a lot of like that kind of thing like it's very the way we write our stories it's you know it, it works through a narrative but each episode we try to include something that is relevant to us like socially politically and everything and it's very much a very charged time for everybody so it felt like the right time to do it apart from the fact that the pandemic's happening and uh everyone well not everyone many people have time and a lot of um feelings to work through <laughs>
1: That is a, that is putting it (laughs) lightly, isn't it? For sure. Um, what's Brigan? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, just, you know, hearing everybody talk about this, I'll be quick, but I think when it comes to being a creator in any space and certainly in fiction podcasting, it's, you get to like revisit or exercise, uh, like explore and share something from your life, whether it's a conscious decision or not. And, and like with look up, uh, years ago i had you know been on a beach with with this guy in my my closeted youth and i was so scared to make a first move and 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 i remember that feeling in the summer and that sort of anxiousness and excitement and and thought it'd be a fun place to create something in if nothing else just to like revisit that that feeling because it is such like a potent thing growing up that sort of like summer love element and i think what's been really really fun is to to have that sort of overarching theme of the show and share that with folks and and then bring little bits of myself to the character that i'm i'm playing and and sort of exercising things that that i deal with in my day-to-day i mean it's not like a like a struggle or anything but i i made the character i play have vitiligo and he talks about it in in the show and it's something that i've sort of dealt with over the past few years and and I think as as writers or creators or actors just being in this just being creative it's it's amazing that we get to again like revisit and explore or exercise or or share elements of our lives through the art that we uh that we create so I just hearing all you guys talk about it it's it's just it's amazing how like cathartic and, and awesome it is What's your favorite episode that you created, Birgit? Um
1: put you on the spot there. Can you pick one?
3: Yeah, I mean out of out of the show, I I'd, I'd, I'd say there is Yeah, I mean I, there are a bunch of like uh, emotional a little bit more diving in episodes, but one episode is where both of the boys it's kind of midway through the season where they're they're sort of pushing the boundaries just see like what this new friendship could potentially be and they're you know they're sitting around like a campfire and they're they're playing you know never have i ever or, or truth or dare so it's just sort of like pushing and and figuring out where they 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 are with each other and i, I just speaks so much to that that like thrill and and uh, nervousness that I remember having in that moment uh, when I was younger, and and listening back to it, I was really really happy because having listened to it a million times, <laughs> having to sound design <laughs> it, it still it still captures that excitement that that I wanted to convey, and I I hope people get to get get it out of that and, and enjoy it.
1: Do you know that feeling of listening? you you're. Your- way into post-production you're like, well, I'm still laughing at this and I've heard it 8,000 times. So I guess that means that it's gonna be funny when people hear it for the first yeah, time. Hope. <laughs> Joseph, <laughs> Joseph, can you pick a favorite episode out of all the, the episodes that you've, you've worked on? Probably not. I, I mean,
4: I've <laughs> worked on um, a, a lot at this point. Um, there's some stuff that I'm just really proud of in you know, a process mm-hmm. level. Um we wrote a, an episode called Best of for What Nightville that went between several different time periods in Nightville and, and was such a collaborative effort. Jeffrey and I writing it and John Bernstein, our composer, writing entirely new music that fit each of the time periods we're working in. And it just felt really good to put that together. Um there was another one we did uh called Are You Sure. We had just switched from like baked in advertising to the sit, the whole dynamic insertion system. And we decided if we were going to do that, we might as well see if we could do something interesting with it. So we wrote an episode that had three different endings. I mean, it really three different second halves the last like 10 minutes. Uh, there was three different, completely different versions of how it could go. And we could use the dynamic ad system so that every time you download it, you just get randomly assigned one of the endings.
1: Oh, interesting.
4: And we didn't people. tell anyone that's what it was. We just wanted people to sort of figure it out when they talked to people.
1: That's and a really. talk to their
4: friends and realized they had heard a different ending.
1: Yeah. And that's a really creative way to use a system like that. That's interesting. Uh, Moti, what about you? What's your I know you're, you're still on, not had as many episodes out, but can you pick a favorite one?
2: Mm-hmm. um we're still a baby but um i do have a favorite episode and it's the fifth one because in that one yeah me and reg have the same favorite episode. It's called Kanta, which just means song and it was a musical episode and because my um we had a singing ghost in that one and it was very creepy in that way but uh, my sister who is a very accomplished singer agreed to kind of just come onto our show and it was the easiest one to write because A lot of it was um, Filipino folk songs um, that we just sang to each other and uh, we kind of like harmonized with each other and it was so easy to write because it was just this this like half a minute is going to be covered by this song and this half a minute is going to be covered by this song and we have a full episode Um, in half (laughs) the time we need to make it and yeah and we just like um we sang we it was nice to kind of get in touch with my sister who's also in the philippines um we kind of just um what i did was i sang a bunch of them and i was i would tell her like hey um if it's okay you can like harmonize with these ones she did it in a day she was very quickly, like, she harmonized perfectly with each one of them, made me sound a lot worse because she sounded a lot better. <laughs> um, and we had like, and it had such a nice effect to it as well because um, we it, it made the whole thing seem a lot more eth- ethereal and interesting. And um, so not only was it one of the best episodes in terms of like content, but it was also the easiest episode we ever made and that's definitely um, a favorite of ours.
1: Yeah, those are the ones that stand out in my mind too, are the ones that were easy (laughs) to build, write, to produce, perform. Yeah, I mean, that makes, yeah. (laughs) No, that totally makes a lot of sense. Helen, there's a lot to pick from as well for
5: you. There's so many. There's okay. I'm gonna have to be fair and pick one from each of the three main shows. Um, I have my own show coming out soon, which is a chat show, um, so I can't do that. There was also a show that I was script editing on, but that's Patreon only, so I can't do that. So, um, I think so. In Stella Firma, there's this one episode. Oh, it's it introduces a character called Cardinal Fang. What's the name of the? What's that? Cardinals and comfy chairs. That's the name of the episode. And in it, Tim, who is the showrunner and who plays uh, one of the main characters, um, the 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 conceit of the show is that they receive a brief from a person, in this case Cardinal Fang, to do something. And Tim went on a massive improv- improvisational rant. Calling Cardinal Fang several epithets. I think I found a list here from one of the fandom wiki, um, wikis, which is uh, Cardinal Fang, Undersecretary for Death, Foam Trumpet, Cardinal Fang MD, PhD in everything, Relaxer of Their Legs, Old Cardi Fang Boy, The Fang Man, The Fang Meister General. And Tim just kept going and going. It's a very long list of um various things and that is one of my absolute favorite um Stella Firma episodes um for Magnus it's actually an episode that's really near the end for me um which is I think episode 198 um I cannot remember which... Let me, let me Google. Magnus198. What's the name of that one? Precipice. And um, to, try, to try not to give any spoilers, um, the main characters have to descend a cliff. And um, it's a very funny episode, despite also being terrifying. And there's a lot of like really characterful banter between everybody, and um, there's there's a part in it where some... Okay, mild spoilers. There's a part in it where someone jumps off the cliff rather than listen to another character talk. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I um, it. Yeah, <laughs> I would do the same thing. And then, <laughs> Cool Gaming, I think, we're still that's still ongoing. We're up to Oh, All right, gosh, 204 episodes of that now. But again, one of my favorite ones is one of the later ones, which is, um, RPG 177 Last Words Part 2, in which the characters are in an afterlife and um, we're looking for people and trying to see if they want to be resurrected. Um, and it's just a solid hour of really emotionally driven, uh, character exploration. And um, finding out about the, the relationships that people have with each other, and I think that we did a really, really wonderful job with um, some of those incredibly sensitive and heartfelt conversations. And I'm really proud of the job that we all did, improvising all of that. Um, so those are my those are my three faves. I think.
1: Yeah, you guys both. Some of these numbers in terms of episodes, I mean, talking about hundreds of hundreds of
5: episodes. Don't do it.
1: Cases. Don't do it. I think I'm on that page with you as well. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. It, uh, it we're, we're closing up. I'm sorry, go ahead, Mozi.
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, yeah, we're on episode 13.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Still- That's manageable. <laughs> no.
1: yeah. yeah, much more. Um, we're, we're we're nearing the end of our hour, and uh, there's one important question that we kind of save for the end. That I kind I'm going to just jump to it, just to make sure we have some time to talk about it. And I know Helen, you have some expertise here, um, in particular, but I want to hear from everybody about this. But we're we're one of the things that I think has helped build a base audience for audio fiction is um, the fact that it the barriers to being inclusive and, and bringing in representation and things like that. It, it's a little, it's not as hard, especially if you're working independently, you're on your own, you can kind of do what you want, but what are some ways that we can make sure that, you know, that our shows and our cast and our stories and even our, our characters are more inclusive?
5: Is there something you want me to start on? Or? Sure. Please go ahead. <laughs> Um, Firstly, I think that the job of being inclusive is never done. Um, Mm. I think um, even at Rusty Quill, we can absolutely improve on it. Um, We've had an ongoing project to try and get... um, uh so right now we are accepting pitches from um underrepresented groups because we really want to start bringing people in like part of the reason the rusticle was set up was because um alex wanted to give people a platform to put out stories that aren't often heard and that's like really really crucial um (laughs) <laughs> um, I just saw Motsi's comment in the chat you don't have to move to England we have American people working with us we're fully remote <laughs> <laughs> I can do it anyway my brother lives there <laughs> um, if you, just send us a pitch it's on the address is on the Twitter um, so um, I think that What you're referring to is the fact that I help to sort out content warnings because and that for me, that's important because it lets people be prepared for stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That's it's a practice that we started taking up actually relatively late, even though it's one of the things that we're actually quite known for now. Uh, Well, I think that I mean, it's my role, so maybe that's why I think that. but giving warnings for people around sensitive subjects, so um, especially things to do with death, mental illness, um, horror themes, that kind of thing, um, makes it easier for people to brace. And a lot of things people can deal with if they just know that it's coming. It's the surprise of a thing often that will take people out and trigger people. Um, so I think that's helpful. Um, And I think not being complacent is actually the best thing you can do. Hmm. Um, If I were to try and sum it up, I mean, um, one of the reasons why I'm head of inclusion now is because we don't want to be complacent and they're really aware that we've got so much room to grow and so much that we can improve on. And I'm really, really excited to be helping them uh do that. Um I'm sorry if I sound cagey because there's so much stuff that I'm working on. And I can't say any of it No, I, I
1: but no, totally. Um, I mean I think what you what you said makes sense that it's it, it's 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 not often a malicious practice it's complacency right it's yes it's turning towards people that we that look like us that we know that sound like us that talk like us and just because we all kind of we have that habit of sort of building social circles and even work circles that way and it's just the conscious act of breaking out of that and making sure that underrepresented groups or people that don't have access or you know like inviting people to pitch stories that otherwise would not have a platform to tell their stories.
0: Yeah,
5: these are
1: all yeah. important things. Dream, and, you had something um,
5: to. Oh, s- I, I just wanted to, time to time say, to um, we have we have a company census, which I think we're going to make an annual thing. And um, almost ninety percent of us, of the people who are in, employees there, identify some kind of neurodivergence. Um person there's there's and there are so many people from um the lgbt community with us as well and i think that we've got a really good base to be starting from um and so i'm I'm saying this because i also think that transparency is important (laughs) um so that because if you're transparent about who you are and what you're trying to do people will feel more comfortable in helping you to become more inclusive as well but um yeah i'll shut up sorry
1: no, no yeah. thank
5: you. Um,
2: I wanted to say, Helen. Like, um, definitely, we also put like um, we also put um, uh, w- content warnings in all of our episodes because of the Magnus Archives. But um, in terms of inclusiveness, I also wanted to add um, uh, the our very log line or our very basis of our of our podcast was because um, the idea was that in a lot of horror movies there are these people who are shamans or magical people um and they're always there and they're always clearly the most well-equipped to deal with a horror moment but um it seems like they just kind of get sidelined so i wanted to make a podcast where that is the main character and that's kind of the basis of our podcast and i think we have we have the benefit of a community that um, does come from underrepresented peoples. Like um, I am both um, a, a person of color and um, queer, and I'm surrounded by people who are similarly, um, of, uh, who are from similar backgrounds. Um, and I think like from like, I think the fact that people are like kind of opening doors to more underrepresented groups is the biggest thing because um, when you look at what's normal for them or us, it's it's totally different from what you would expect from mainstream like i can say like i am surrounded by people who are people of color and who are queer and that's kind of like almost every single one of my characters are that but it seems to be something that becomes an afterthought for some people which is natural when you grow up in a different sort of um, background. I think just um, not artificially, but kind of surrounding yourself with different creatives and different people from different backgrounds and being happy to share each other's stories is how like inclusivity really happens. Um, one of our actors is from Mauritius, um, which from a couple of years ago, I didn't even know existed, um, but it's an island off the co- coast of Africa. and. Uh, and one of our main ca- and he helps design a character in our story who is from Mauritius as well. So it's like getting to know different people from different backgrounds is such a big thing when it comes to being inclusive creatively as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I just I think the act of I think you're a great example, just an act of collaboration with someone who has a different perspective and a different background with you. Than you do, um, friggin'. I saw your mic on earlier. Did you have something about inclusivity to add?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, essentially, you know, speaking on what everyone's talking about. But um, you know, Joseph had had mentioned uh, hopping in a car and driving out to new places, and I, I think really, so much of being a human, not just a creator, is is, is being curious and and having empathy and and challenging yourself and the people around you and, and and growing and and i think you know i'm a i'm a white cis gay man from suburban maine originally and the diversity that was out there was not not super present and i, I think you know finding myself in a, in a place like los angeles and and really meeting all walks of life and not and and to what Helen was talking about with complacency and not just sort of like being like okay I did I did the work and now I can do and write whatever I want to write about I, I think it's you're in a constant dialogue with your your privilege and and just learning um, you know I at the end of the bright sessions they did all these guest episodes and and I was lucky enough to write one and I wrote a bit of like a love letter to. My husband, who um, is uh, is half Asian, and and what he's dealt with as as a gay person, uh, multiracial, and 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 really trying to understand it and seeing how he walks on this planet, and 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 I think also part of that is like, yeah, I wrote it for him, but post writing it, you constantly question yourself. It's like, was I was I the person? to do that, you know, with, and it's constantly questioning yourself and, and having trusting that you're doing things for the right reasons and also not being defensive. If someone sort of calls you out on like, mm, maybe that wasn't the move. Um, so I, I, think it is just, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's curiosity and empathy and, and just really exploring that in your human <laughs> Life and letting that uh, come through in, in whatever you're creating or performing in, and collaborating with people. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and I, I totally get the feeling of. I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm from suburban Pittsburgh, gay, white, cisgender. So, I mean, it's, sometimes it's it's the, the desire to increase diversity, particularly as a writer, is like, can I write this character? Should I be writing this character? Do I know enough about this person's lived experience to write a character like that? And I think sometimes the answer is no. And, I'll, you know, you can step out of the way and give that opportunity to someone who has um, the insight to do it as well, and Norma Jean, I know we're over time here, and I, you can stop me at any time. But I wanted to give everyone a chance to talk about um, some future, what future projects you might be excited about, what's coming down the pipeline for you before we uh, sign off. I'll take that as a yes. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right back to you, Brigan. What do you have uh, coming? Oh, Thank you. I, I see your message. We will take our time, Brigan. What future project are you excited about?
3: Um, I, you know, I've been developing, um, a couple of things for a pretty long time. There's one that seems to be, uh, finding some, some traction, which is really, really exciting. But uh, aside from that, um, I'd say what was interesting is after the Bright Sessions ended and I sort of guested on different different shows and wanted to create something for myself, I, I think I'm always a, a performer first, or at least that's where my my real excitement comes from. And and I've had countless conversations with my husband and, and friends of, of just being like, you know, I, Caleb was such a, a life-changing, incredible gift, just to, to play, play a character like that, that I really needed and wished I had when I was, when I was his age. Um, and I think I'm just looking for what's, what's next. I think there's, there's something really scary, but also free in that where I just really am looking for the next role, uh, that I can really explore and, and, and sink into and, and have that experience. Um, so yeah, I'm creating creating stuff and, and doing that. And look up has been such a such a joy, and I want to continue doing that. But I think uh, be nice to to find the next thing that I can really really dive into as a performer. Uh, I think that that's what'll kind of set me on fire. <laughs>
1: um, I'm sure, I'm sure something will come down the pipeline at some point. Of course, I think there are many roles <laughs> in your future, whether you create them yourself or Thanks. not. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you? What are you excited about next? Is there going to be a season two?
2: Ooh, um, yeah, like for sure, Hainai is the main um, thing that we're working on, but um, me, uh, apart from podcasts, I also do comics and stuff like that, so Mm -hmm. I've actually got a comic that's in pre-orders right now that's releasing tomorrow, well, day after tomorrow, so that's very exciting um and most of my content runs in the same direction which is Filipino or BIPOC and also queer so (laughs) it's like they're all different different things same theme um the latest the latest comic that's coming out is called Aswangat Bardugo which means monsters and executioners it's again very political very dark but also kind of yeah like it's fantastic but in a way that reflects real life and I'm using Hainai as well to do that kind of storytelling, which, and the response for it has been beyond our expectation. We did not expect people to get into it so early, and it's been amazing. Mm. Um, So, yeah, just continuing Hainai. Um, Hopefully, uh, we're we're leading into, um, we're ending season one hopefully this year, depending on like schedules and things, and season two next year. And um, also, in the meantime, I'm doing comics in between my day job as an animator on Netflix shows. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Sounds like you're really busy.
2: <laughs> I am. I'm very busy, and um, you you don't see it, but I am currently shaking from my third thing of coffee. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, very excited is let's just say excited. Sure,
1: sure, excited. Well, hey, whatever keeps you going, right? Uh, Joseph, I know you have a book coming out, and we talked about it earlier. It's, uh, you have, it's launching Tuesday, correct?
4: Yeah, it's called The Halloween Moon. It's my first novel for children. Um, they, I, it, it's weird to call it new in my head because I started writing it like five years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was just me really – there's a lot of novels I really loved when I was you know, 11, 12 years old, and I really wanted to write a novel that I would have loved at that age it's about Halloween, which is my favorite holiday. It's called The Halloween Moon. Um, and then uh, something I'm very excited about that I can't really get into too many details about. But Jeffrey and I have been trying to make a new fiction show. It'll be the first fiction podcast we create together since Welcome to Night Vale. Um, and it's basically we've been trying for like four years to find someone who would pay us money to create it. And we finally did. Um, so, over the Congrats. course of this year, we'll be making that, which I'm, yeah, very excited about. The, the kind of characters work for it have been looking with me for a long time.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that that search for uh the search for the money is a, it's a big part of the process, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> lots and lots yeah, awesome of meetings.
4: Yeah, we just decided this time um, be able to pay everyone well, and it turns out that, <laughs> that takes um, several years to get in place.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well look forward to that and look forward to the look for sure. Helen, what can you tell us? Anything
5: you oof. Well, um obviously there was um I, I mentioned briefly earlier, my own show is coming out. We've already got like a Patreon only version um, of Enthusiasm. And basically it's me talking to people from Rusty Quill and sort of Rusty Quill adjacent people, including some people from um, the new network that uh, there's like a partnership that we did with several of the podcasts. Um, and we just talk about stuff we like. And so the Patreon-only version, we would, we talked about... We had three episodes on Lord of the Rings because everyone wanted to talk about Lord of the Rings. We had one on Trash TV. We had one on baking. We had one on Buffy. Um, so I'm really, really excited to having the first public season come out soon. I'm also really excited for the pitches that people will send in and what we'll take forward. I'm excited about um, the second phase of our actual play show. I'm excited about everything about our future. um, And I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Um, Also, I forgot to mention that... um, when we were previously talking about inclusivity. Um, I've got to, to mention, you know, the, the other major part of my job, which is sensitivity consultation, <laughs> and um, that is extremely important in terms of writing fiction about experiences that are not your own. And you are right, Justin, in terms of sometimes it's not a, a story that um, you can or should write, but there are others that are doable. Um, and i think a lot of the time if you're willing to put in the hard work to be um sensitive and uh, get things accurate then um it can absolutely be done i just finished this morning doing a report for um uh, a, a book about a mixed race with a mixed race protagonist and uh, the author had basically nailed it i was able to say i think this is great and this is great and this is great and and here are some improvements so it can be done you've just got to be careful but anyway yes um tons of exciting stuff going on i am really grateful to be part of rusty quill and i think we're gonna keep growing it's gonna be great
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i think i i hear a lot of different um different things from different people, especially here in LA, and you talk to them about the industry. But I think one of the things that I noticed recently was that Amazon had taken one of its uh, one of its shows, I think it's a YA show, and um, turned it, kind of went in, in the reverse of what we've seen before. They took that show and they developed an audio fiction podcast based on that show. So I think, I think things are looking, are still on the up, upward trajectory in this particular uh, niche in the media industry. So I think there are gonna be good things um, happening for a lot of people. You all have some really exciting things going on and a lot of great things to say. I've really, really, really enjoyed talking to you. Um, Joseph, mozi Helen, Brigham, and then uh, Reg is in the chat. I've been, I've been reading as you've been going, but guys, thank you so much um, for talking with me today, for answering all these questions. I know some of them were we we when we were discussing questions earlier, we were we were a little worried about asking if you if anything was inspired by real life. And I was like, no, I'm going to ask it. I'll ask it. will be fine. But um,
2: only
0: thank
1: you so days. much. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. Only,
0: only, <laughs> only Justin, thank you so much. So for much. This. Absolutely. And before we read the outro, Justin, is there are there any projects that you want to share that you? Oh,
1: I mean, yes. There are. There's just things that I can't really. Go into too much. I, I'm developing some shows with different people that I'm, you know, I'm hoping to move forward. One's about androids. Um, I, th- I think way too much. I spend way too much time thinking about androids.
2: Impossible, um, and don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and- androids.
1: One's a one's a post-apocalyptic. Um, they're both kind of in a mockumentary style, so something a little new for me. But that's what I've been working on lately. And then seasons five a vs10 is coming down the pipeline at some point
0: okay well i'm gonna read our outro thank you everyone again for joining us this has been a beautiful way to end storytelling podcast week with all of you amazing audio drama creators it's been a real treat
5: it's been a real honor and again i'm really sorry i was late (laughs)
0: helen it's live anything can happen and that's what's so great about it
5: I so, just oh standing there in my hat and the black glasses. It's you fabulous. To, yeah, I mean, the fact that you were cosplaying
0: the cosplay. as well is, is phenomenal. So, I mean, really, its you can't make it up. It's too great. Um, I'm going to read our <laughs> outro, and then we'll leave the live open for everybody to just check in and, and catch up as we end the event. Thank you, everyone, for joining this live stream, the Audio Drama Rama panel, hosted by Justin McLaughlin of Planet M and EOS 10 with Helen Gould from Rusty Quill, Joseph Fink from Night Vale Presents, Alice Isn't Dead, The First 10 Years, and Halloween Moon, Moti Dapple of Hainai, and Brigham Snow of Lookup. If you joined late or want to have another listen to these amazing podcasters or today's sessions, you can replay the program on Storytelling Podcast Week's channel. The Storytelling, Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean, we're a podcast hosting and monetizing platform, and home to over 500,000 podcasts. And as you're joining us for this session, you can see we also offer the ability to live stream directly from the app to your audience with Podbean Live, where podcasts come to life. For everyone listening, you can also start your own live stream for free on Podbean. And to get your first 30 days of hosting for free, use the code STORY. Thank you again to Justin McLaughlin of Planet M and EOS, EOS 10, with Helen Gold from Rusty Quill, Joseph Fink from Nightville Presents, Alice Isn't Dead, and his new books, The First 10 Years and Coming Out, Halloween Moon, Motsi Doppel from Hainai, and Brigham Snow of Look Up. Thank you all for joining this session, the Audio Drama Rama panel. It's been an incredible week celebrating with all of you. Thank you for joining us.